0: Anyway, I want to start this morning by asking you a question, and I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand if you think the answer to this question is yes. Um, You don't have to play, you know, you don't have to do anything in church, but just a bit of fun. Does God still do miracles today? Right, that's quite a lot of hands going up, right, which I'm not surprised at, because if you didn't believe in a supernatural, miracle-working God, you probably wouldn't be here, unless you're here to try and find out, which is quite legitimate as well. So you may not have put your hand up for that reason. But most people are here because they believe that God still does the miraculous today. So at that point, I could probably sit down now, having established that. <laughs> I knew someone. I knew someone would. Yeah. But apart from Steve, others might want just a little bit more. So, let's 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 start with deciding what a miracle is, because our understanding of that is really important. Now, we tend to think if it's not calling fire down from heaven or walking on water, then perhaps it's not a miracle. Um, Now, this is what the dictionary says. It says, an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. In other words, God. Okay, God actually intervenes. And so an even shorter definition, which I quite like, is this one. When... The natural is invaded by God's supernatural. By definition, miracles, they, they involve the spiritual. The divine agency, if you like, is God. And the divine agency is therefore spiritual. God is spirit. And his, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it would be so easy... To look at the miracles of Jesus, and to look at the miracles of the apostles that you find in the Bible, and then you think, oh yeah, well Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Of course he still does miracles. But if you only just see that aspect of the miraculous, you can then start thinking, well, it's people like Jesus that does miracles. It's people like the apostles that does miracles. It's, it's these special people. It's the, the anointed, the super spiritual. They do miracles, not us ordinary folk. And I want to go back to the very beginning, which as you know is a very good place to start. And I want to go back to Genesis to actually lay a basis for why the miraculous is the domain of any child of God. It's part of our inheritance as heirs of the kingdom. Now I'm sure you realize that the Garden of Eden was as much a spiritual place as it was a physical place. And I think we miss that sometimes because the story is written from a largely physical aspect. And you have to remember, it was written for Bronze Age man to be able to understand and get something from the story. But the problem is, I think, we can still almost interpret it with a Bronze Age man mindset. And we can miss so much of the spiritual that was actually going on in the garden story. But I believe that that there was so much going on in the spiritual realm in that story that isn't always necessarily obvious from a simple reading of the text. But it is there if we look for it. And we're told that God breathed his spirit into the man. That was spiritual. And he became a living being. He was born of the spirit as well as the flesh. So you had both there, didn't you? The physical and the spiritual. Um, And also, you know, we're told that God walked and talked with the man in the cool of the day. So, you have that aspect of the physical and the spiritual in perfect harmony. So, when the Bible speaks of the flesh, what it's talking about is it's simply talking about our physical being, the the physical side of, of ourselves. When sin entered the world, God actually made the people a promise. He said, when you eat of the fruit of the forbidden tree, you will surely die. I'll just put that scripture up. You will surely die. Now, I used to read that as a child and think, well, they didn't die. They were still alive. So was God bluffing? Did he tell a lie was he just trying to control them not to not to do it but God wasn't bluffing because what actually happened then they did die they died spiritually their spiritual being died immediately boom they were spiritually dead now there was also the immortal part of their being as well that died at that point But in his grace, God allowed the man and the woman to live a little longer in the physical realm. But death had still entered in. That's really important that we understand that. Death began to reign because the inevitable direction for every living being after sin came in was inexorably heading towards death. And don't we know it? We have to live with it, don't we? Live with that reality. We're heading towards death in our physical being. But God then sent them out of the garden, out of that spiritual place, because they were now spiritually dead, and he put this angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to stop them ever getting back in again. And so, if you like, it was at the entrance to that spiritual realm. There was no access back to the tree of life. And God said, in case they should eat and live. And from that point on, life on this earth was solely based in the physical. And death became inevitable. Sounds a bit morbid and depressing, doesn't it? But the good news is, that was only true until Jesus came. And he came saying this, I am the way, the truth and the life. That's right. Jesus came offering the way back to spiritual life. And that's why he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he carried on. No one can can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So not only are we born of water... That's our flesh, that's our physical birth, so let's face it, we are something like 60 or 70% water. I did read an interesting fact about this, slight digression, that if you carry a lot of fat, you're more likely to be 60% water because fat doesn't hold water very well. But if you're one of these lean, slender people, you might be more likely 70% water. You're really interested in that, aren't you? Anyway, that just fascinated me, but. Uh, And I'm trying not to look anyone in the eye at that point. Anyway, but the point is, we are born of water, but we must also be born of the Spirit, if we want to have spiritual life. And through his sacrifice on the cross, when Jesus took all our sin, he took all our past mistakes, he took all our rubbish onto himself, he made us totally righteous in the eyes of the Father, and he made a way back to the tree of life And life in the Spirit. Now that's really important in understanding the miraculous. We can only move in the miraculous because we are once again people of the Spirit. Do you get that? That's a really important concept. That's why we can move in the miraculous. We have the Spirit of God. If you said yes to Jesus, you are born of the Spirit. You are a child of the Spirit. And Jesus said this really important statement. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. We can only do what counts through the Spirit. Now, care, I don't care if you're Elon Musk or anyone who's done amazing things in this world. If you haven't done it through the Spirit, it doesn't count with God. It doesn't lay up treasure in heaven in other words, now note that Jesus did not say the flesh is unimportant, he just says, if you want to do things that count, do it through the spirit. Because the f- the flesh is important you know it's the vessel in in which your spirit dwells that's what you carry it around in it's the temple of the holy spirit even paul accepted that the physical body was important and he said you know even exercise has some benefit i think he said it a bit begrudgingly but it is there and um, but what jesus did say if you want to do anything that counts for god we must do it in the Spirit. Now, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, we believe that God has once again, just like in the garden, breathed his spirit into us. That means the physical no longer constrains us. That means that death no longer reigns in us. And Paul writes this in Romans. For if by the offense of the one, that's Adam, Adam was the one who brought sin into the world, if by the offence of the one death reigned through the one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? And do I underline it? I meant to. But if I didn't, i am emphasize it. Reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we have the life of the Spirit within us. We have the life of Jesus within us. Life reigns in us instead of death. Now, I honestly believe that the majority of Christians are only just scratching the surface of what it means to live the spirit life because the spirit within us, it does mean that we have unlimited potential. We have unlimited power. We have unlimited authority because the spirit is unlimited. And we have that Holy Spirit. And if we are God's children, we have that spirit life within us. In other words, we are children of the supernatural as well as the physical. And that means we are children of the miraculous. And that's a really big point that I just want to emphasize this morning. And I want to say, look for the miraculous in the everyday a bit too quick there. Look for the miraculous in the everyday because I really believe it is all around us. It isn't just the big stuff. It isn't just walking on water and, you know, healing um, and eyes popping into empty eye sockets. Or, you know, it is all that, but it isn't just that. That's what I want to emphasize. Um, it's, it's also the everyday as well. Every day I wake up. I try to remember to thank God I'm still alive. Life is a miracle. It really is. Our natural trajectory, as we've seen, is towards death. But the Spirit's trajectory is always towards life. And Jesus promises abundant life. There does seem to be this new craze happening with people at the moment. And I see things advertised like death cafes, where people meet up and they discuss death. I don't want to talk about death. I want to talk about life. That's our, that's our gift. That's our inheritance. And I want to talk about abundant life. And there are so many miracles that surround us every day. I think I'm getting a bit behind here somewhere. Here, anyway, I'm not sure where that's going. Anyway, um, just, just creation. Oh, yeah, that, that was the one with the... Yeah, there, that, that one, that one, yeah. Creation, it's a miracle, it, it really is. You know, I, I love creation. Um, in my older age, I've sort of started, uh, you know, trying to identify birds and getting excited about different birds that I see, and Rosemary gets really bored. But, you know, I, I still, oh, look at that one, you know. And, uh, but, you know, I love creation. It, it's, it's so vast. And he was talking about wow this morning. It's was Kim, wasn't it? You know, it, creation makes me go, wow. And Paul says something really interesting. He says, in him, all things hold together. In him, all things hold together. And I put there the amplified version of that. Um, It goes this. And he himself existed and is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And this is what the underlying Greek actually means his is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. The universe only exists because Jesus holds it together. Doesn't that make you go, wow! And you know, sometimes people ask me, where is God in the universe? As a teacher I've been asked that several times, like he's sort of out there on a nebula or a cloud or something somewhere floating around. That's totally the wrong question because it's not that God is in the universe the universe is in God he's that big do you understand that The universe is in God. And, you know, I could go down a right rabbit hole on this because that really, really fascinates me. Um, I'm not going to. But, you know, it is a miracle. The universe, and it surrounds us all the time. It's a miracle. Look for the miracle every day. It is there. But that's not my main focus because what I do want to head into as a focus is the miraculous gift of prayer, Answered prayer is a miracle. Why is it a miracle? Because through prayer, we're asking for God's supernatural to invade the natural. That's what prayer is largely about. When we pray, we're touching into the supernatural. Now, in our Connect group, we actually keep a record of all our prayer requests. And every so often, we look back. And, you know, sometimes you've forgotten what you prayed for. But when you look back at the record, you say, oh, look what happened there. and Oh, look what happened there. Sometimes they're not always answered in the way you necessarily want them to, but you see God's hand in the answers to the prayers. <clears throat> and, and just to give you a very recent example, I'll keep this anonymous because I haven't asked permission um, for the person involved, but somebody in our connect group came in and they'd had a really painful shoulder for about a couple of weeks. And to the point that he couldn't actually move his arm and uh, um, he used the computer a lot at work and, you know, using the mouse all day was agony for him. He couldn't sleep. Um, You know, he, he turned on that side and it just woke him up and he was really struggling with it. And he came in and he said, I think I need prayer. So we got him out on the holy hearth rug which is what we call it, um, it's just a space at the front, where in front of the hearth, where there happens to be a hearthrog, and that's the place where we put people to pray for them, and somebody one week said, oh, let's get on the holy hearth rogue then, it's not holy, but you know, you, you, you get the drift, so we prayed for him, one or two different people prayed for him, we anointed him with oil, Then somebody said to him, well, what's it feel like now? He said, "Well, I couldn't do. Oh, I couldn't do. Oh, I can do this now. And then I couldn't do this before. And and suddenly the pain had gone, and he had full movement again. And I mean, that was amazing in, in itself. But I checked with him the next day. He had a brilliant night's sleep, and he'd had a day at work with absolutely no pain whatsoever. It was a coincidence. I think it was a miracle. Now I know what you're thinking." Why doesn't God always do that? That's always the question, isn't it? Because we always know people for whom it hasn't happened. And all I want to say to you is, when you find the answer to that question, will you please tell me? Because I would like to know as well. But sometimes, you know, we do have to live in the mystery. But that doesn't stop us praying. Because we still see answers to prayer. And Jesus tells us, keep praying, never give up. And I do love it when we see... Those kinds of answers to prayer. But, you know, great as they are, let's remember that we are surrounded by the miraculous every day. Now, just one or two examples. Um, Some kids were at Sizewell last week, the last week of the holiday, at the Christian camp. And in one of the meetings, they all started crying. And they were weeping. And nobody was sure why. And one of them said to one of the leaders, What's happening? Why are we all crying? And I'm glad they had some leaders there with some wisdom because the leader said, It's the Holy Spirit. Is that good? Yeah. And, you know, but the Holy Spirit just moved. And we always say the Holy Spirit changes things. Now, I know one parent said to me, We got a different child back to the child that we took. Isn't that brilliant? That's the miraculous. It's every day. I, I had a conversation just in the community cafe here uh, a, a little while back with one, one lady who just actually shared her life story with me. And as she shared her life story, I just knew that it was a spiritual moment. Because what she shared, you could just, it, it just fit, sense God all over it. And he'd really had his hand on her through some really difficult times. And she was so close to the kingdom, she really was. But after I had that conversation with her, I just sort of felt almost like my heart was strangely warmed by the Holy Spirit. You knew it was a spiritual moment. And we need to look for those spiritual moments because I do believe they are miraculous. Now, I haven't checked with Sim on this one, but um, is it alright if I just share a little bit more of the backstory, Sim? Because you know, Sim just said, you know, we've just had some uh, funding come in for Hope Into Action. Well, we were in the meeting on Friday, and we were feeling a little bit frustrated that we sort of felt we'd sort of hit a bit of a wall. And you know, we just needed that bit more investment to get us over the edge. And then Graham said, why don't we just stop and pray about it? Oh, that's a good idea. Why hadn't we thought about that before? So we did stop, and a few of us prayed. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, Sim suddenly says, I've just got an email with 50,000 um, investment offered. You know, you know, was that coincidence? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, you know, and these sorts of things happen. You can try and put them down to coincidence. Of course you can, but, you know, as Christians, I just find you get more and more coincidences because they're not really coincidences, but, you know, that's just a few illustrations. You know, look for the miraculous every day, because it's there. We are children of the miraculous. That is our inheritance as children of God. We're meant to live in the supernatural as much as we do in the physical. We're meant to be spirit and flesh in perfect harmony, just as it was in the garden and prayer is so key in bringing about the miraculous when the natural is invaded by the supernatural and the amazing thing is we can all do it we can all do it we don't need a special gift we don't need a special anointing and the important thing is we remember to ask just like in the meeting you know we hadn't thought about asking when we asked god answered we need to remember to ask and god loves it when we ask um, you're not putting him out. You're not bothering him. You know, he encourages you to do just that. And that's what he tells us in the Bible. Been through that one. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. That seems clear enough. God loves it when we come to him And ask. Now, I've been feeling recently how important it is to actually ask for my family, for the people that I know, to cover all those important things in prayer because we do have an enemy who loves to come and he loves to rob, kill, and destroy, as Jesus says. We have the greater power. You know, don't be afraid of him. We have the greater power. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. It's so important, I think, that we do pray for our children, for our grandchildren, our families, our colleagues, our leaders. We're told to pray for our leaders, even our properties. In fact, everything that we care about. I came across a quote recently from the American pastor, Dutch Sheets, which is a great name, isn't it? Um, But his quote was, protection is not automatic. Now, that really resonated with me. Protection is not automatic. That's why we have prayer. Because we need to ask. Now if God just went on and did it without us, we wouldn't need prayer, would we? But he wants us to ask. We do need to ask because prayer changes things. We believe that. Prayer changes atmosphere. atmospheres. Prayer invades the natural with the supernatural. Prayer brings the kingdom of heaven down to earth and it sends the kingdom of darkness scurrying. And since I've realized this, I, I've really upped the prayer for my family, my children, my grandchildren. Most nights, Rosemary and I, before we go to sleep, we pray protection over all the people that we actually care about from the evil one. So how often have I read a testimony from someone who went through their rebellious years but miraculously they came back to God in a big way and then later they found that for all those years someone had been faithfully praying for them a granny, a father, an elderly aunt, uncle you know, someone had been praying for them prayer really is that important because you have the power within you to change things. You have the power within you to change lives and to change circumstances. Try to get used to pray in all circumstances. Paul says, pray before you go to work. Pray before you go into school, if you're still at school, pray before you go into a meeting. Pray before you do anything significant. It, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you have to spend hours in prayer or anything. You know, just remember just to bring it before God and ask. And someone gave me a prophecy fairly recently. And this one uh, really meant a lot to me as well. And the prophecy was this. Learn to sit in the Father's lap and tell him your deepest heart's desires. And you know, I realized that I don't often do that. I don't often learn to sit in the Father's lap and tell him everything that's on my heart. And I've thought a lot about that. And i said, prayer's not meant to be arduous it's not about duty although the enemy will try to tell you that it's about a re- beautiful relationship with your heavenly father now i may not be able to sit in my earthly father's lap anymore and tell him stuff but i can sit in my heavenly father's lap because i am his child it's flesh and spirit in beautiful harmony and if that wasn't enough, you know, we believe that God answers prayer, he heals, he promises that whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will do it. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Paul says it's resurrection power. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it's at work in you. That's what Paul says. So I want to say, let's start living as people of the Spirit. Seeing with spiritual eyes, seeing what is possible in the Spirit. If we just see with the physical, we see the problems. We see the blocks. We see the challenges. But if we see with our spiritual eyes, we believe in a God for whom nothing is impossible. So we see differently when we see in the Spirit. God is spirit and all things are possible with God. So look for the miracles every day. They they really are all around you. If you learn to look for them, learn to see them. But don't discount your ability to be a miracle person. You have resurrection power. You have the spirit. You have Jesus.